Good morning, and once again, I just want to say welcome to Finding Life Church. Jared already mentioned my name is Travis, in case I haven't met anybody or any of you before. I think most of you I know. Um, but it's my pleasure to get to speak with you today. Um, so I got to start by asking, were there any unique talents or unique things that anybody wants to, to share? Anything interesting? I heard somebody doing an elephant noise. What was that about? There it is. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. That's a pretty good one. I like it. Um, I was thinking about this this week. If I have any unique talents, somebody's trying to copy her. Um, if I have any unique talents, and I couldn't come up with any, and so I was talking to Jasmine about it in the car, and she, she decided I have two. One is I'm a terrible driver, um, and I am. I'm, I'm, I'm going to admit that one. Um, I'm a late breaker. I merge across multiple lanes all the time. Um, she constantly is holding on to the door handles when she's in the car with me. So, um, The other one is I eat really, really, really fast. I could probably put down a pint of Ben and Jerry's in under a minute. Let's, we should try that sometime and see how that goes. <laughs> um, so anyway, I made the mistake of, of Googling unique talents, and I got lost on the Internet for a couple of hours. I know that happens to all of us, right? Um, here's, here's some unique talents that I read. Um, eyebrow dancing, walking like a crab, extreme pin spinning, fast reading, limbo skating. So I saw people that have flexibility that is insane. They can get down on the ground on skates, singing with your mouth closed. And my favorite was, there's this girl that talks backwards. Google this. It's amazing. Somebody will tell her a word and she'll just repeat it in reverse, like instantly. She doesn't even have to think about it. So, anyway, unique talents. Um, while we might not all have these interesting, unique talents, or maybe we can't make a noise like an elephant, um, we're all different, right? Um, not one of us is the same as the next. And that's kind of what we're going to dig into this morning. We started this new series last week called Uncomfortable, uh, the awkward and essential challenge of Christian community. Um, and this week, we're going to take a little uh, deeper look at the diversity that makes up the local church um, and... Also, the challenges that come with that, but most importantly, I think, the, the ways that God can use those differences for our good. Our text for today comes from Paul's first letter to the church that he planted in Corinth, is the name of the city. Um, I want to give you a little bit of background on this before we jump into it. So, Paul spent a lot of time uh, in the city of Corinth on his second missionary journey. And he established this group of believers there. He was the first one there sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Corinth is an interesting place because it's, it was a hub of commerce in the Roman Empire. So you get kind of a smorgasbord of people um, from all different places. You've got you know, Romans and Greeks and, and just a real big melting pot of people. It was estimated that, that Corinth was home to about 20 different world religions. And those 20 different world religions uh, were broken up into hundreds of different sects. And so that's the, the group that represented this particular church. So Paul comes and he shares the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and these people different from different backgrounds all believe. And that's what makes up this church that he's writing to. And so we're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12. In case you want to get out your Bibles or your phones. Um, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 through 14. And Paul says this. The human body has many parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, 
And we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. So as I read this, what I thought was, man, Paul came up with a, a top 10 sermon illustration. You know, us, us preachers are always trying to come up with good ways to illustrate and give stories and analogies for, for Bible verses. Well, Paul gives us a really good one right here. I think it's a top 10 one for me. It ranks right up there with Kevin bouncing a clay pot off the stage trying to break it. That was a fun one. Um, it's great. What Paul says here is great, though, because it's a perfect analogy. We all are different, just as the body, the, the parts of the body are different. Um, the body isn't made up of all feet, for example, right? That would be weird. Could you imagine all those big toes? Um, no, our bodies are, are made up of different parts that are each necessary to serve a unique purpose so that our body, bodies function properly. And the same is true of the church, right? Um, and that brings us to our first point. Point number one is everyone is welcome and has a part to play in the body of Christ. Paul is writing to this church in Corinth because there was a lot of problems in this church. There was a lot of divisions. And, and one reason for those divisions was because um, they all had different and unique gifts. And some people thought their unique gift was better than other people's unique gift. And before we go any further, I do want to remind us of one thing. We all have a gift, right? We know that, right? If you have given your life to Jesus Christ, God has given you a unique gift with two purposes, to serve the body of Christ and to build up the church, and the other one is to help reach those that are outside the church. And you can find that in three places in Scripture in case you want to look them up later. Um, the first one is the one we're talking about today, which is 1 Corinthians 12. Um, Peter also talks about it in 1 Peter 4, and Paul talks about it again in Romans 12. Um, again, for our purposes today, we're focused on two things. We have a gift, and it's for two reasons. It's to build up the church, and it's to reach those outside the church. So, just like all believers at this church in Corinth all had unique gifts, so do we. Well, the Corinthians, just like we contend to be, got influenced by their outside culture. And all these other religions that they came from and that they were surrounded by all told them one very unique thing, and that is that the more emotional kind of response that you have in worship... So the more emotionally connected you can come to whatever God it is that you're worshiping, the more spiritual you are. And it got to the point where people would drop and writhe on the ground and shake and do all kinds of interesting things. And those were the people that they thought were the most spiritual and the most close to God. And if you weren't like that, you were inferior. And so this is what's creating divisions within this church. Um, what Paul is saying to them, and to us for that matter, is that there is no place, there is absolutely no place for any of us feeling superior or any of us feeling inferior. Pride about our gifts or self-pity about our gifts is completely out of bounds because every gift, every single gift that we have in the church is needed. They're all important. And even though our church is, the Corinthian church was a long time ago and we're here today, we still have these same challenges. There are people at Finding Life in our own church that their talents find them on a stage because they're gifted in music or in speaking or in leadership. And that doesn't make their gifts any superior, any, any more superior to anybody else's gifts. Right? It doesn't make them better than, than people that serve behind the scenes, like the people that come every morning and set up and tear down, or um, our hospitality team, who is awesome, that makes our space warm and welcoming and brought us cold coffee this morning? How about that? Um, 
It's not, it, you know, we're, the people on stage are not superior to those teaching kids or our tech team that sits in the back in the dark and makes us look and sound good. All of these gifts, every single one of them are necessary for the church to function. And they're necessary for us to function on a Sunday morning like this. But more importantly, they're all necessary for the mission that God has us on. It's not just about Sunday morning. It's also about what God has us here to do. And that is to reach those that are far from him. Some of us have, we all have different personalities. Not some of us. We all have different personalities. We're all unique in every single way. As my wife would say, and she said up here a couple of weeks ago, I'm an excitable person. I'm sure everybody laughed when she said that. It's true, right? So I have a unique personality, and, and I, I mesh well with some people, but there's other people that I probably scare because I'm always so excited, and they can't handle my energy. And there's, there's others of you that are great at hanging back and listening and, and all those kinds of good things. And so we, we need all these personalities to connect with people outside the church. The other thing is that God has also written different stories into each one of our lives. So I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior at age 30, and I grew up outside the church. I grew up with a bad attitude about the church. So I have a, a story that, that connects well with some people, but not everybody, because there's people that grew up in the church here in this building today. So the point of all of this is this. We absolutely need diversity. If we, if we didn't have it and if we don't embrace it, the church just can't function. It can't function the way that it's supposed to. And if it doesn't, then, then we don't do a good job of equipping believers so that we can carry the good news of Jesus Christ into our communities. And if that doesn't happen, the church just withers and dies. So as we think about our church community, the question that we want to ask all of ourselves is this. Um, is this a place where I can faithfully serve and play my part in the body of Christ? That question is so much more important than the question that we sometimes ask ourselves, which is, does this church check all of my boxes and meet all of my preferences? And as Kevin said last week, church is not about our preferences. It's about knowing God. And of course, a church that meets all of our preferences doesn't exist anyway. And even if it did... It'd be missing a lot of gifts, right? If I went to go find a church with a bunch of people that were like me, we'd be missing out on a lot of gifts because I can't sing. And there's a lot of things that I can't do that, that would cause us to not function very well. I would, I would meet people that I couldn't connect with very well. And I don't think that churches that are full of people that are all alike will last very long because they won't function very well. Okay, on to number two. Um, so we've talked about diversity and differences and how it's awesome and it makes us complement each other and fit together and, and makes the church function properly and that's all good, right? Let's talk about the negatives now because anytime you get a group of people together that are that different, there's bound to be some challenges, right? There's bound to be some friction and conflict is impossible to avoid. And in verse 13, Paul described the church in Corinth this way. He said, um, and we already read this, but here again. Some of us are Jews and some of us are Gentiles. Some are slaves and some are free. So Jews and Gentiles, like we don't really use that terminology a lot in our daily lives. So let's talk about that for a second. Um, Gentile is a word that just meant anybody that wasn't Jewish at the time, right? So we're all, in this room, we're all Gentiles. We came to faith, not through Jewish faith, but through faith in Jesus only. At least I think so. Um, the Gentile believers in Corinth used to worship a lot of different gods. That was, the, that was what happened in that time um, in the world. 
So they, they worshiped Roman gods and Greek gods, and they went places because places in those, at those times that were associated with different gods, right? So they would go places where Jewish believers wouldn't even go because they were associated with gods that they did not worship. They also, Jews and Gentiles, couldn't eat together because that would make the Jews unclean. And so what I'm getting at is that these two groups of people didn't really associate with each other. They were about as different as you could get. The Gentiles of the church in Corinth that came from these 20 different religions saw almost everything differently than the Jewish believers did and vice versa. If Paul were writing this today, he would say this. Some of you are Republicans. Some of you are Democrats. Some Independents. Some of you grew up Catholic, Lutheran, Methodist, Baptist, Pentecostal, Orthodox, Reformed, Evangelical, or non-denominational. And some of you didn't grow up in the church at all. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, gotcha. You all grew up. I don't think you'd, yeah. The point is we all come from different backgrounds, right? Um, we're all raised, uh, we were all raised in different types of homes. We had different kinds of parents. We, we, we came from different church backgrounds. Uh, we have different political affiliations and different personal preferences on a whole host of issues. Not to mention the fact that we're all individually prone to different sin issues in our lives, right? We all have that one thing that we just battle with constantly, and it's different for all of us. And if that wasn't enough, we live in a culture today that tells us, don't listen to people that you're different from. Argue with them. Don't listen. Argue. That's what the world says. If you get on social media, if you watch the news, that's what is being put out there to us all the time and it makes you wonder how could this thing called church ever work um, in his book um, that this series is based on the series uncomfortable brent mccracken put it this way this is a really good quote that he um, wrote in his book the tension of a diverse conglomeration of people coming together in christ's name will often be combustible but it's also at the heart of the gospel yeah, anytime you get a group of people together that are that different, there's going to be tension, right? There is bound to be tension, and it's that tension that causes people to either disengage from the local church or to leave the church that they're at and search for something better, something that will give them less tension in their lives, one that is full of people that think, act, and believe like they do. And we need to realize that that church, even if it existed, it wouldn't be the church that we need. And I want to say that again. I want to say that again because this is the crux of a morning right here. Even if the perfect church existed, it would not be the church we need. We as human beings are constantly trying to find what we want, what we think we want. When God is constantly trying to give us what we need, He isn't trying to um, give us what will make us comfortable. Although we somehow, we wish that he would, right? There were times that I prayed for things and it was just because of my own comfort and God didn't give them to me and it wasn't because he doesn't love me. It was because he was saying, Travis, you don't need that. That's not what you need. I'm not so much worried about your comfort. I'm worried about making you into, making you into Jesus. I'm, I'm worried about making you more like my son than I am making you comfortable. And we can either run away from that or we can embrace it. Um, during my time in sales, I heard a lot of cliches. There's some of you out there that, that uh, operate in a sales environment, or even if you have a, a corny boss that you work for that, that uses a lot of cliches, a lot of leadership cliches. Um, I had a boss like that, and to be honest, I was probably like that too. <laughs> uh, 
Um, one that my boss used to say all the time was, the strongest steel is forged in the hottest fire. And it was just an easy way for him to say, I know this stinks, but it's going to make you better. And I made fun of him for saying it all the time, but here I am saying it in a sermon, so it must have, uh, it must have had some truth to it. It kind of stuck with me. And it did, because there is a lot of truth to it. Um, I bet if you look back on your life, the times that you grew the most, improved yourself the most, weren't times when it, things were easy. They weren't times when things were comfortable. They were probably during the hardest of times. And I can definitely say that's true for me. Um, an example that I'll share with you. Um, and if you were here a couple weeks ago, my, my beautiful wife got a chance to share a little bit, and she touched on this a little, and, and I'll expand on it maybe a little bit more. Um, but Jasmine and I celebrated our one-year anniversary last month. Yes! I didn't run her off yet. Um, the past year, though, has, well, it's, it's a reason for celebration. We've had awesome times. We've had great times. But we've had a lot of challenges, too. Um, we've had a lot of uncomfortable moments and a lot of change. It's been a lot harder than I expected it would be. And I don't really know why. I sometimes am a little naive. I'm sometimes a little bit of an optimistic person. And, and I generally think things are going to go better and easier than they actually do. Um, marriage is not easy for anybody. And the first year of marriage is not easy at all, right? And then you add to it the fact that we are both grown people. I mean, we're not in our early 20s. We're in our 30s. And we've both lived a lot of life. We're both set in our ways. Um, and there's, there's the potential for lots of friction to happen. Um, we both have a lot of scars from our past, right? I mean, we've been through things that have caused pain. Um, not to mention the fact that all of a sudden Jasmine left her town and her house and her job and her church and now she's a stepmom and all kinds of things that I should have known better that this was going to be way harder than I thought. Um, part of the reason I think though that I was a little naive about it is because I knew that we both loved Jesus and I knew that Jesus had changed both of our lives dramatically and so I thought oh, we'll be okay. We're way different than we used to be as people. Um, I knew for example how much I had changed since I came to know Jesus. Um, I've changed a lot and I thought, well, things will be different this time. I, I thought, well, I'm way less selfish than I used to be. Well, as it turns out, less selfish is still selfish. <laughs> Everybody knows that, right? Um, it's really easy to think that you're not that selfish when you're single and you live by yourself and you can pretty much decide when and what you're going to do, right? Then all of a sudden you've got to consider somebody else who has their own ideas. And then it's like, well, hang on, what happened? Um, but probably the hardest and most important, the hardest and most important thing that's happened in this first year is that we have each been forced to do business with things from our past. And not just things, painful things um, that we just never really dealt with. And, and it's pain that neither of us really knew was there, I don't think, when we first got married. We didn't see it coming. And it's been uncomfortable but it has also produced in us things that we could not produce in ourselves. They're not things that we could have done on our own. Anybody that knows me well knows, knows that I can't sit still and that I'm always on the go and I've got to get things done as fast as I possibly can. I am not a patient person, but I'm learning to be. I am sometimes not good at seeing things, seeing things from other people's perspective, but I'm learning to be more understanding. 
And I'm definitely, we're definitely both learning to depend on God in a deeper way. This first year of marriage wasn't necessarily what we wanted. It wasn't what we thought. It wasn't what we planned. It wasn't what I expected. But it was exactly what we needed. Every single part of it was exactly what we needed. And all of that to say, bringing it back to what we're talking about today, that the church that we need most isn't the one where everybody thinks, acts, and believes exactly the same way we do. The church that we need is the one where we will be put in uncomfortable situations so that through them we will learn how to love God and love others well. So that through them we will become more like Jesus. We're not going to learn how to love others well or grow in that way if we're surrounded by people that are always super easy for us to love, that always agree with everything that we say, that always make us feel good about ourselves. And it also won't happen without some help, right? In our own strength, we're not capable of loving everybody, even the people that are most different from us. So we need some help. And that's number three for us today. Point number three, although we are different, we are united in the most important way, by the Spirit. Paul says it in his letter to the church in Corinth. He says that we have all been baptized into one body by one Spirit, and that we all share that same Spirit. So when we place our faith in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit, right? And it's not different for each of us. It's the same Holy Spirit in each of us. That's what unites us. In some translations, when Jesus talks about the Holy Spirit, it says the helper, the helper. And I like that, that thinking about the Holy Spirit in that way. In John 16, 13, Jesus says this about the Holy Spirit. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he's talking to his disciples here. Um, he says, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So whatever the Holy Spirit gives us comes right from Jesus. That's what he's saying here. The Holy Spirit is there to help us. It convicts us when we sin, when we stray away from God. It guides us into the truth and into God's will for our lives. All of these things, right? The Holy Spirit is there. He is our helper, especially when we're in challenging times, especially when we're going through hard things. And there's another way that we're united as well. It's not that we all just happen to want to come to the same building and enjoy singing the same songs on a Sunday morning or we all love listening to the same person speak. No, the church and our church, Finding Life, is made up of people that have all experienced the, the life-changing love of Jesus Christ. We have all experienced God's amazing grace, all of us in different ways and at different times in our life, but we've all experienced God's amazing grace through the death and resur resurrection of Jesus. And it is that belief, it's that belief and that life change brought about by Jesus that has bound us together with a bond that calls us to transcend every difference and dividing line, a bond that challenges us to set aside our preferences and comfort for the sake of each other, for the sake of our brothers and sisters. You know, that tension that we've talked about, it, it, it doesn't rise to this level of, of combustion, um, like that quote that we talked about. It doesn't rise to that level of combustion because of our differences. It's not about that. 
our differences are not going to cause that. What causes it is when we elevate our preferences over Jesus. That's what happened to the believers in Corinth, right? They elevated their way of worship, the teacher that they preferred, or the gift that they had over Jesus. They, they, they put those things on a pedestal over him. And we're prone to do that just like they were, right? One of the biggest challenges that I've seen in the church, in this country, and even in this city since I've become a part of it is, and it was one of the things that surprised me, I think, the most about it, um, the more I dug in and the more I dove in, is how many people hop from church to church to church. And some of it is, oh, there's a cool new church opening up. Let's go check that out, right? But some of it is, you know, we don't like the music where we're at. Or we don't like the preacher where we're at. Or because, man, that church just doesn't value what I have. And I think that's one of the reasons that we need each other the most. We need each other to stay focused, right? We have a hard time staying focused. We get, and maybe, maybe me worse than others because I get a little distracted at times, but we get enamored with things, right? And we, we lose focus on what matters most. We lose focus on our Savior. We put things on a pedestal above Jesus. And that's why we need each other to remind each other where we need to be looking so that we aren't searching for something that doesn't exist. You know, as we've gone through the challenges and as I put this together, uh, I, I list all these challenges and I'm like, man, it made me stop and go, why do we do this thing called church anyway? If it's so hard, why do we do it? Why do we keep doing it? And I want to make sure that I answer that as sufficiently as I can um, so that I don't leave anybody wondering like exactly what it is that, that I believe about this. Uh, we've already touched on two of them. One is it's good for you individually. If you're in a situation where you're always comfortable um, you are not going to grow the way that God wants you to grow. The other one is two that I just talked about, which is it's because we need each other to stay focused on what matters most. If we're just surrounded by people that are going to tell us what to hear, tell us what we want to hear, man, we're going to follow a bunch of things that are going to lead us astray. And there's one more reason, and it is the most important reason, I believe, and it's because the church is not for ourselves. It's for those that are not yet with us. And one of our jobs as the church, as a community of believers, is we are to be a picture of the gospel. A picture of the gospel to the watching world. And to do that, we have to turn and do for each other what Christ did for us. I think Paul says this best in Philippians uh, chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. I just want to read that really quick. He says, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Same attitude. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took up the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. The most important part of that is that first line. We must take on the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. It says that Jesus gave up. His privileges, right? Another way to say that is he gave up his preferences. He took up a humble position as a slave. He was a servant first. He was obedient, no matter the personal cost. So that's what you have there. You have humility, prioritizing others, and forgiving the unforgivable. That's the attitude of Christ that we're called to take on. 
And that doesn't mean, of course, that we're not going to have disagreements and that we're not going to have fights. And it's okay for the world to see that. Actually, it's great for the world to see us fighting and arguing. That might sound weird for me to say. We don't have to pretend like we're perfect. We're not. We all know we're not. We will have times when we forget who we are in Christ and we will react out of our selfish nature and we will hurt each other. Happens all the time. Let the world see that, yes, let them see it, but then also let them see how we handle the aftermath of it. Let them see us forgive as quickly as we got angry. Let them see us drop everything to help somebody that we have had differences with. Let them see us sacrifice for each other. That not only is how we show the gospel to people, but it will ultimately lead to a question, right? When people see us doing that, they will ask a question. They will say, why would you do that? Anybody want to guess what the answer to that question is? Jesus. There you go. Just wanted to make sure you guys are still with me. You're right. It's Jesus. It's only because of what he has done for us that we have anything to offer the watching world. Christian community is a funny thing. Right? It's uncomfortable. It's, it's, it's great. It's hard. But what it is is a group of people that have unity in the midst of diversity. It's a group of people that fight but forgive. It's a group that encourages each other when we're down. But maybe the best description of all is Christian community is a diverse group of people that get along and have absolutely no human reason to do so. We don't do it because we're the nicest people in the world. We do it because of Jesus. We do that because we are one body with one spirit. We are different, but we are the same. I wanted to wrap up today um, by reading parts of what Paul wrote to the Roman church. Paul was a guy, I, I love reading Paul's stuff because Paul went and started a lot of churches and then he left and he wasn't there to watch their growth and development, but he heard how all these churches fared and what happened. And a lot of times he's writing letters back to these churches because they're struggling with things that he taught them originally and they've strayed away from. But he also writes to them to encourage them and to let them know that he's with them, he's in it with them, he's praying with them, he loves them. And so he writes this letter to the Roman church, and it really is a prayer for them. And I want to read it as a prayer. And he also talks about just, he praises God as he goes through it, and it's just a really good way for us to wrap up today. So here we go. This is Romans 15, 5 through 13. May God, who gives you patience and encouragement, Help you live in complete harmony with each other, as is fitting for followers of Christ Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promises that he made to them. He also came so that the Gentiles might give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, For this I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice with his people, you Gentiles. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And in another place Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hope in him. 
I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.